Side Hustle Show 241, reverse engineering your dream job. What's up, what's up, Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because hustle never slumps. Excellent program for you today and an inspiring one at that. I'm joined by Kathy Heller. She's a talented musician. She's a mother of three and she's a serious hustler. Longtime listeners of the show might remember The Hustler's Path, which was first laid out by Garrett Moon in episode 67. The path is this uh, familiar pattern you hear over and over again from freelancer to agency to product. And the cool thing is Kathy walked this path in the world of music, starting out as a struggling songwriter, then cracking the code and finding high value buyers for her work. Then she expanded her capacity by bringing on other musicians and ultimately created the online course to teach other artists how to do the same thing at sixfiguresongwriting.com. Now, over the last 10 years, Kathy has earned hundreds of thousands of dollars from her music, and you probably heard her songs without even knowing it. Her music has been licensed on dozens of TV shows and movies and and commercials for big brands like McDonald's and Walmart. Today, she balances the family, her art, her agency, her course, and her new podcast, Don't Keep Your Day Job. So stay tuned to hear how Kathy, in her words, reverse engineered her dream job and how you can do the same. Notes, links, and a free PDF highlight reel summary of this episode are at sidehustlenation.com slash Kathy. It's Kathy with a C. This edition of the Side Hustle Show is also sponsored by FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the affordable small business accounting software for side hustlers and freelancers with invoicing and time tracking built right in. When it's time to get paid, think FreshBooks. And here's the deal. As a Side Hustle Show listener, you can get started with a 30-day free trial today at freshbooks.com slash side hustle. I'll be back with my top takeaways from this chat with Kathy after the interview, but let me set the stage for you. So first, Kathy moved to LA at 24 to chase her dream of getting a record deal and becoming a rock star, right? She was working random jobs to pay the bills and she ended up getting that record deal, but it was short-lived. So after just a couple months, she got dropped and wound up working in commercial real estate instead, which paid well, but something was missing. And that's where this conversation begins. Ready? Let's do it. I was wearing like high heels, my white suit. Like it wasn't, I was trying to be this person to fit in this corporate world. And I was getting really depressed and I was on my way and I just started to cry and the sunblock was getting in my eyes. So I wound up laughing because I was crying so hard. I couldn't see. I was driving. I had to pull over. And I said, life can't just be about waking up and making some money and watching TV. Like you have to feel fulfillment. And I had to figure out a way to make a living as an artist. Like I had to go back to the drawing board and find another path. So what happened next? So what happened next is I quit my job and I was making a really decent living. And I was driving this like really cute Mercedes, like convertible. And I sold my car so I could have less overhead. And I got a roommate because at the time I had this two bedroom by myself. Yeah. From the outside looking in, it's like, well, this gal has got it figured out. She's got the Mercedes. She's got yeah. the six figure job. Yeah. And, you know, she's super young. So she, she must be doing something right. But on the inside, you're like, this is not for me. No, this is not for me. And so I said, well, what do I really want to do? I said, well, I really want to write songs and figure out a way to make a living from writing music and going to the studio for me was like heaven on earth. And I remember having quit my job, going to the studio, having no money coming in, having a little bit of savings that I was watching sort of dwindle away. But I remember coming home from the studio at that time thinking if that had been my last day, how happy I was because I spent it so happy. And that meant so much to me. And that's the question we have to ask ourselves is like, 
we can fool everybody. We can try to fool everyone on Facebook. We can try to pretend like we're fulfilled. But when you look at yourself in the mirror, you can't fool yourself. Like you know who you are and you know inside yourself if you're feeling like what you have brought to the world, if that's being expressed or if it isn't. And for some people, they're quite happy to sit at a job and be a real estate agent and find their life's passion. Maybe through the work that they do, just being a, a nice person and then having some hobbies on the side. But for me, I knew that wasn't me. I spent two years trying to figure out from ages like 26, 27, 28, just trying to figure out the next thing. And I was blowing through all my savings and it was getting down to the wire. This had to like happen. And I was reading a magazine about a couple artists who were these indie artists who had licensed their music to film and TV shows. They had had their songs in commercials for Tropicana or Old Navy. And then they had their songs on Grey's Anatomy or Dawson's Creek. And they were making a living. And I thought, well, that's really cool because I never thought of that. And I decided to just put all of my focus on it. And so I said, well, what if I would reverse engineer? What do I actually need in order to get my songs to be on TV? It was like, well, first I need to know who those people are that I have to get my songs to. I have to write the songs that they need. So I have to have the right content and then I have to get it to the right person. So I just started to do research and no one told me to do it. It's just, it was like a natural way that I was thinking about it. And I asked myself one question, which led to the next question. And the top of the paper, I literally would do this. I would like write out these reverse engineering sort of pages and I'd say, okay, what do I want? I want to get my songs on TV. Okay. How do I do that? I need to write the right song. Okay. What is the right song? Well, maybe I should listen to what songs have been on these shows. What are the lyrics they're using? What kinds of sounds are they using? What are the sounds for commercials? Are they happy songs? And what are the sounds for these? films like what would be the difference and then I started writing down well who do I need to get those songs to do I need an agent okay if I need an agent what do I have to send to her and if I don't need an agent and I'm going to send directly to the person who does this show for Fox or CBS then who is that and then the next question was how could I figure out who that was so I started to go on IMDB and I started figuring out who music supervisors were that's the title of the person who chooses the music okay. and I would say okay the music supervisor for these four shows is this person and blah, 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 blah. And I make these lists. And then I said, okay, well, now I have to hone my craft. I have to spend the time making sure that the music isn't just music that I like, but it's music that solves someone else's problem. I do feel like artists sometimes are in their own way because they see somehow if they write something or create something that someone else thinks is beautiful and pays them for it, they feel on some level like maybe that's disingenuous, maybe they're selling out when really that is the way it's always been. If you create something that's beautiful, then that means it's not just beautiful to you, it's beautiful enough to someone else that they're willing to pay you to have it. So we do have to take into consideration what somebody else needs and wants. And I do think that successful people don't look for opportunities, they solve problems. And I just decided like, I wanna solve a problem of a person who's looking for songs I want to not just send them a song and say, could you just find a way to fit it in? I want to send them a song that really helps them with their job. So I started to evaluate and analyze what kinds of songs help tell stories for TV shows. And I realized that the lyrics would be very universal types of lyrics that had to do with like coming together or overcoming something or being somebody's shelter. There was very reoccurring types of themes that kept happening and I would start making lists of these ideas I said, well, I could write a song called Count On Me. And I wrote it. And then I got paid $8,000 for it. And then I thought, well, I could write a song called We're Good Together. Like that's, I kept hearing those kinds of songs. Okay. And so I wrote that song. And that song made about, 
I don't know, $300,000, just that one wow. song. Jeez. I licensed that song to McDonald's, to Hasbro, to a Disney ad, to several TV shows. And what's beautiful about licensing music is you're just giving them the right to use it. They're not owning it. They don't take it from you. It's still yours to do whatever you want with it. But there was definitely a period of time where I wasn't yet making the money, but I was spending the time building the content and doing the research on who I needed to get it to. So while I was building the content, you know, I was like starting out with one mediocre song after another, and I kept going until they started to get a little better and then a little better. And I had some talent, you know, I had been signed to a record label for a minute. <laughs> Did that give you any credibility with these? No, not at all. They don't care. They okay. don't care. You can have talent, but just because someone writes a good song doesn't mean it's good for a movie or an ad. Like they're different things. It, it could sometimes be the same thing, but it has to work for the director's vision. And there's certain beats and moments that songs have to fill so that it cinematically works. They're not just looking for a song. They're looking for a song that both the production and the instrumentation, it has some sort of dynamics that meet the whatever it is that the the vision is of the story that's being told. So it took a little time and I just was very committed. Like, I feel like my husband says I have the will of a small country and I feel like that's what I have. Like, it's not that I'm the most talented person. I just, if I want to do something, I will be persistent until I do it. I won't stop until I do it. So I'm willing to weather the rejection of the first 18 songs, and I'm willing to weather the rejection of reaching out to several people who say, no, I don't want to rep it, or no, it's not right, because I know I'll just keep going. And the squeaky wheel gets the grease. So I stayed on it, I stayed on it, and after about a year and a half, I sold, I licensed my first song for $25,000 to Kodak, and then I started one after the other. It just got more and more lucrative for me. And I got known as somebody who was very grateful, hardworking, appreciative, always showed up, always said yes, was willing to keep just making music. And you know, my mom, when I was a kid, was very unfulfilled and had always told me like she sacrificed her love of music and a music doing anything in music so she could have kids. And so I was pregnant at the time when I was first creating these songs, when I was turned like because now this was like 28, 29, I decided I want to have a baby and I was determined to figure out a way to not be that. Like I wanted to be a fulfilled, balanced mom. I wanted to have both. So it, I can't I think it actually pushed me even more to get to the studio. And even when I had my three month old, it was like, okay, well, one day a week, she's with the nanny and mommy, I get to be me because I'll be a better mom. And so that grew and then 2011 was a huge year for me. I did a bunch of ads and TV shows. I think I had like 27 placements. Jeez, wow. Hey, entrepreneurs, we know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards. Work trips, client meetings, industry conferences with Hertz Business Rewards, you'll save at least 20% every time you rent a car. And you'll save on more than just the daily rate. Members earn credits redeemable towards free rental days. It's also free to add an additional driver if any additional coworkers come along. And for those Gen Z entrepreneurs out there, no young renter fees. 
Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first 90 days. So whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at Hertz.com slash business rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit Hertz.com slash business rewards to learn more. Well, let's dial this back because, I mean, there's a lot to unpeel here. First is the idea of approaching art as both a creative outlet for yourself, but like to solve somebody else's business need, right? And did you have a library of music that you'd already recorded that you could say, well, this might be a fit for such and such company? Or was it like, I'm literally creating all this stuff speculatively from scratch in the hopes that it's going to fit somebody's need down the road? Yeah, that's right. It was completely from scratch. And the truth is that when I had tried to get a record deal and got one, I did the same thing. I was trying to figure out what kinds of songs were like pop radio songs. And those are the songs that I wrote that I then submitted as my demo. So you do have to reverse engineer that. Okay. Tell me about this. This I love the IMDb research. Tell me about that outreach that landed oh, yeah. this first deal or what, you know, not that I think there's a ton of other like people in the music licensing sphere listening to this, but just like for artists in general or people trying to sell anything in general, what did that outreach look like? Yeah. And I love that you're saying it that way because I do think that this relates to anybody. I think it's like, that's why I started my podcast because I think what what I did isn't just specific to music. So, you know, what I think you start to do and what I did is I just started first just trying to figure out who were the people that I need to get this music to? Who were the people who would decide this? So I started to do some research and I realized that music supervisors don't really love to take unsolicited songs. They, they prefer to take them from a trusted licensing agent, which I think is the same thing if you're trying to get a book deal, they would prefer at the publishing companies that it comes through through a literary agent. So I then started doing that research. Well, who are the licensing agents who I think are reputable? Well, at first I wasn't sure how to find them. So one thing I was doing is figuring out whose songs were in what ads, whose songs were in what shows, and who were the licensing agents representing the bands or the artists that I thought were cool and a little bit similar to me. Like, can you find that out just on YouTube or how do you find that out? So for music specifically, there's tons of ways to do it. For instance, every single TV show that you've ever heard of, if you go to YouTube, there's like playlists and mixes that people have put up that tell you which songs and what artists have been on these shows. Depending on your career, there's lots of places that you can find that that have a lot of this information. So for music people, if you want to know what songs have been on shows, there's a website called TuneFind, T-U-N-E-F-I-N-D. And it tells you these are the songs on every episode of this show. And then here's the other songs that have been on the Mindy Project and Grey's Anatomy, whatever songs you're looking for, it catalogs it for you. Okay. Okay. I was like looking at that stuff. Also, you could go to the brands. You could, every brand on, on YouTube, whether it's Coke or Nike, they have a playlist of songs they're using. They have the ads themselves. And usually in the metadata in YouTube, it says which artist it is. Then if you go to the artist pages on their website, it'll say for licensing, contact this person. Okay, okay. So you start to get a sense. So there's about 20 licensing agents that are at the tippy top. And in 2007 and eight, when I was doing this, there were maybe less, but there was a group that was really good at it. And I was reaching out and some of them were saying, you know, it's not quite there. I don't want to represent the music. And a couple of people were saying, okay, well, you know, this one song I like, but here's what I would do differently. And I was willing to say, great, well, I'm going to go fix it and take your feedback. And instead of being 
hurt and wounded by it, I'm just going to keep going and send you more stuff. So I stayed with it and continued to reach out every few months when I had something new. And eventually I did get signed by an agent and then I did really well. And I was, this is another key component. It's like, I didn't sit back once I had an agent and say, okay, great. I hope he makes it rain. I continued to check in with him and I would say, what else can I create for you? Are there any kind of themes that you continue to see that you need songs about? And are there songs that I should be proactively writing so that I can help you help me? And he said, I was like the only person who was that eager to continue to you know, be on the inside and help him do his job. And so we did a bunch, we did like 11 placements that year. We did Champion Sportswear, American Airlines, Kodak, a bunch of movies, Legally Blonde 2, a bunch of movies, a bunch of ads. Uh, I did an NBC promo, which was for The Office, Parks and Rec, and SNL, and that was ran for like three months. Okay. So we did a bunch of stuff. And then when he left, I was back to square one because I couldn't find an agent who I thought was as good a hustler as he was. And so that's when I decided to just try it on my own. And I realized that it's hard. So I started trying to reach out to music supervisors directly. And a lot of them would not write back. And a lot of them would just say thanks. And I tried to find as many different ways as possible to break through the noise and get their attention. And at one point, I sent them this like PDF that said mochas and music. And it was a little PDF I created of like a cartoon girl playing a guitar and then a plus sign and then a picture of a Starbucks latte. And then it said, step one, email me your favorite Starbucks drink. Step two, I'll bring it to your office. Step three, I'll leave you some music and you'll be happy and caffeinated. So (laughs) I sent this little PDF and it was amazing how many people were like, okay, my favorite drink is an almond milk, whatever. And there's two other people in our office and -and so-and-so wants a Frappuccino. And so I drove around town dropping off Starbucks orders. And at the time, part of this time, I was the way I am now, but part of the time I actually had a belly because I became pregnant. And I would just walk in with my pregnant self (laughs) who didn't know anybody in the office with like a few Starbucks drinks. And I was like, just me and grateful and happy for the two minutes and I didn't try to overstay my welcome and I would just leave them like a CD and a drink and that turned out to be a big win for me. I wound up getting a license with every single person that I went and dropped off coffee to. Wow, that's a great hack. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, but it's, it's like there's a million things like that. It's like how do you step out of the noise? How do you break through? Yeah. The beauty of all of this is that it's a people's game. It's not numbers. It's not like decimal points and you're putting something into a machine. At the end of the day, these are human beings. And if you connect to them, they feel that. They feel appreciated. But if you're constantly asking somebody who doesn't know you to help you out, that's not really the the best, you know, most attractive way to go about it. Yeah. Now, so you started kind of representing yourself here. How did the licensing deals work? Do you have to, I mean, there's a million different companies in the world. Like, how do you pick who to pitch and, and how much to charge? Like, how does it all work? Yeah. Well, you know, what was helpful is that my husband, so he's an attorney and it was helpful to have him because... So I started licensing my own music, right? So I would bring the coffees or I'd meet somebody one way or the other and they'd say, great, let me throw you a bone. And they'd email me and say, we like your song. We want to use it for 
this American Girl movie, or we want to use your song for One Tree Hill, which was a show at the time. And I would say, okay. And then they would send me a license. Well, first they would send me a quote request, which at the time I didn't know what that was. And it would say, okay, the show is on this date and your song will play for 47 seconds in the episode. And we're going to give you $3,000 for your publishing and $3,000 for the recording. So you'll make a total of $6,000. And then they would want me to like write down who owns it and if I could clear the whole thing. And so it was helpful because my husband would look it over and he would say, yeah, so this means you own the recording, but your writer, the publishing, you wrote with that girl. So you have to write down her name and then she's going to get 50% of the the other part of the $3,000. So you'll collect 1500 and then the other three because you own the recording and you'll give her. So I, it, it, I learned it. I broke my teeth, you know, learning this language. But after a, a maybe three licenses, I totally understood it because there's only a couple pieces that change in every license. Okay. And so I started licensing my own music and I would just send things back and I was always very grateful and very happy. And I didn't, I also didn't try to strong arm them. And I realized that not only were they now happy because creatively I was proactively writing music that I knew was going to help them fill these these gaps. Like music supervisors have tons of songs about breaking up and relationships, but they don't have as many songs about those other kinds of themes that I was seeing that came up. So they wound up using my music a lot. And then I was very easy to work with because when it came to being able for them to afford it, I was just happy to get the fee. I wasn't, a lot of labels will turn around and say, well, we don't want 6,000, we want 18,000. And then I wasn't doing that. So um, after a while in 2013, uh, Billboard magazine wrote this full page feature about me. And the title of the article was called Writing Your Own Check. And it was, you know, unknown singer songwriter Kathy Heller made twice the U.S. household median income last year through her talent and persistence. How did she do it? I was making about $130,000 a year at that point. And so after the Billboard article came out, a lot of artists around the world started emailing me and asking me if I could pitch their music. And I didn't see that coming. I, I thought the article was going to like help me be back as more of a rock star. I didn't realize people were going to say, oh, well, you're really good at the business part. Could you help me? So I resisted that for about a year. I didn't want to start helping other people. I thought that would make me look like less of an artist if I was now an agent. I didn't want to confuse music supervisors and say, oh, no, I'm really an agent. And then after about a year, I said to myself, you know, I now have two kids and I don't want to have it be dependent on me to create all of these songs all the time. And maybe I could work with artists that I appreciate and like, and I could guide them on what kinds of songs are being selected. And they could also be at the studio when I can't be creating their own songs. And then I could pitch those songs when I get asked for things. And then I could make a percentage of that. So I started with a few hand-selected people and I couldn't believe how well it worked. Because this is the bottleneck in the process, is the supply side, right? Like, if I can right. create more songs, if I can create more music, I know I can go and find buyers for them now that you have the relationships built up. That's right. You said that really well. How long does it take you to write a song? Like, I mean, to me, that's like the most daunting task in the world. I know. It's so weird. Like, I, I couldn't do what you do. And when you when you were on my podcast and I was asking you about what you do, I was like, I, I don't even understand it. <laughs> but I can write a song in about three hours. But... Then I have to go to the studio and I have to record it, which takes me about eight hours 
to record, you know, bass and drums and guitar. We bring in musicians for each of those things so that, you know, you have the best drummer. You don't just have me trying to play drums. So that takes about eight hours. And then I have my producer. um, He mixes it, which takes another like four hours. So, you know, it takes a few days and it also costs money. Right. So you have to spend money on all of those musicians. So for every song, you're spending about $2,000. Yeah. Now, the thing is, a lot of people will say, well, see, this is why I can't do it. And people love to come up with every excuse in the world because excuses help us feel justified for why we're not doing the thing that scares us the most. The the real reason people don't do what they love is not because they don't know what to do. It's because they're afraid of that inadequacy that we all have. You know, every time I would book a session to this day, every time I book a session in the recording studio and I written something, I'm like, is this even good? Am I going to make a, is is the producer going to think these lyrics are just so stupid? Is this melody even interesting? It's scary. It's hard. Nobody feels completely perfect and everyone has that inadequacy thing. But in any case, as far as the resourcefulness, I think resourcefulness is really key here because when I first started out, I didn't have $2,000 to spend on these songs. And what I was doing was trying to make it interesting for the producer. So I would say, what if I gave you $300, but then you and I would split whatever the song would make. So then they would say, well, what's your plan? So then I would actually come up as being really refreshing because I would have a plan where a lot of artists would just come to the studio after being hungover. It's like 12 o'clock. They roll in like, what do you want to write about? I don't know. And the producer sits there and yeah, maybe they give him the $2,000, but they're not really sure if that's all that's going to happen. So I would say, no, I'm going to give you $300, but I'm going to give you half of what the song makes. And here's my plan. I'm coming in and I'm writing the song about this. When we're done, I'm going to send this song to so-and-so and so-and-so. And anyway, it started to work and people started to make money working with me because the songs were doing well. And then I wound up being able, you know, as time went on, I was spending a little more money up front so I wouldn't have to give up as much on the back. Right. Well, it's a good way to do it starting out because it's like, well, yeah, right? they, now they have performance basis and it kind of lessens your initial overhead. Yeah, that's right. But I, I do feel like... There's so many creative people because of the internet. We have so much access to, you know, if I was starting out now, I would go to Facebook pages for people who just graduated from Berkeley School of Music or Belmont or Full Sail, any music school. And all of them could run circles around most producers in their bedroom on their laptop with what they could create. So I think that there's a lot of people who would just love to collaborate and help people make things for free who have offsetting skills. So if one person writes lyrics, one person has a good vocal, one person can produce. If you have a plan, I think why not pull people together, uh, whatever. And again, this is whatever your craft is. It might not necessarily be music. It might be something completely unrelated, but it's just about being resourceful and just kind of trying to solve the problem instead of saying, okay, that's a dead end. This is why I'll never do that because I don't have $500. It's like, okay, there's got to be another way. Okay. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. 
And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes. T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. So the, the resourcefulness comes into play where it's like, okay, I've kind of reached the, the ceiling of what I can produce on my own. I've got two kids right. now, and now these people are reaching. Did you uh, did you proactively pitch Billboard on the story, or how did they, how did they find you? Oh my God, I love that you asked that. So I <laughs> pitched Billboard. So I do everything myself. And again, this is why I think what you said is, is so relevant. This is every single career. It doesn't have to be music. So once you have something that you think is interesting, so who can you be reaching out to? Who is out there, whether it's online or whether it's print, who is creating content all the time that's related to what you're doing? They're always looking for stories, right? So I was pitching this story and I would, again, research who were the editors at the magazines that I thought might find this interesting. And so I emailed about 500 people and I wound up getting featured not just in Billboard. I had a full page feature on me in the LA Weekly. I had a full page feature on me uh, a couple of years later in Variety Magazine. I had a full page feature in Music Connection Magazine. I've had a few, actually. Oh, also USA Today. I was on the cover of the music section. There's been a, there's been a few. So I was, yeah, I was hustling that. In fact, when the editor of Billboard sat down with me, he wasn't sure how he got the story. He just knew that he was supposed to interview me. He didn't know it's because I <laughs> it's pitched like, it. Somebody, somebody told me to call you. Okay. Right. Like you don't need your own, you don't need a publicist. You don't need an agent if you're willing to hustle. And this is what I always say. What I What's beautiful is, and that's why I love the name of your show, on the other side of hustle is so much amazing stuff. And I do feel like people who hustle are disproportionately rewarded because those moments of perseverance and bravery where you're reaching out over email to an editor at a magazine who you've never met, you do get disproportionately rewarded for doing stuff like that. Most people are not gonna do it. And if they do it, they're not gonna do it more than once. They're not gonna actually hustle and stay in it. They're gonna write feeling like they're burdening someone and they're gonna like, quickly shut the computer, never do it again. But I was like, I make all of these things like my job. Like I commit to doing all of these things. So anyway, I started representing other artists and then that went really well. And my business grew from, you know, bringing in a couple hundred thousand to grossing 
400, over 400,000. This is on the agency model where, okay, so you've increased your supply of product that you could sell. Right. But what's interesting is that my own music did better because I thought people were going to stop thinking of me as an artist. No, instead, they just started sending me more requests because they thought, oh, well, she might have more songs. And then it turned out they were sending me more requests on a more steadily basis because they thought I had more supply. And often my songs were the right fit. So I just got more opportunities for having more resources to offer. And then I decided in 2015, this Variety article came out and I decided, what if I started helping teach artists who were not going to be in my agency roster, but what if I could teach other artists what they could be doing on their own so they can start writing the kinds of songs that get licensed? So I started on a whim. I started teaching. I started being asked to speak and I was speaking and I spoke at the Billboard Film and TV Conference twice and the ASCAP Expo and I spoke at UCLA four times. I spoke at the Grammy Museum. I flew out to Berkeley School of Music. And then after about a year of those speaking engagements, about a year ago in June of 2016, I was pregnant with my third baby. And I thought, what if I started an online class so I could help artists all over the world instead of just the people who could come to one of these workshops? So I started an online class and it was amazing. I was able to affect and help and inspire and encourage and give access to artists all over the world who didn't necessarily have the luxury of driving 20 minutes. Like when you're living in LA, you forget that not everybody just has so many things at their fingertips. So there are people in my class who live in Holland and somewhere out, you know, in in the rural part of Michigan and Chile and Sweden. I mean, it's just so cool. I see a pattern here. Every every new baby is a new shift in the business. A new Oh my God, <laughs> right? I just said that to my friend. She's like, I'm having a baby. How am I going to continue this? I'm like, no, babies bring more mazel. Like you're going to figure out more good stuff. You're going to figure it out. Okay, so this, is, so this is what became the course at sixfiguresongwriting.com, yes? Yeah, so I decided to do this course. Yeah, and it was called Six Figure Songwriting and it's still going on. I now have Six Figure Songwriting 2.0, which we just launched. And I thought, oh my God, am I really gonna be able to deliver? And I mean, we just get the night, I get packages, I get handwritten letters, I get people posting videos saying, this class completely changed my life. It got me out of my own way. It helped me feel better about who I am. It helped me keep myself accountable and it gave me a direction. And then about 25 people in the class got their songs on TV and ads. It's great. Oh, wow. Now, okay, so where's the, where are the customers coming from? Where's the audience coming from for this course? Oh, so this is great. So last summer, I'm like breaking my teeth learning Facebook ads. Like I had never done them before. So I'm like, okay, let me just figure this out. So I go into the ad manager and I'm like, all right, well, I can make an ad that shows up on the feeds of people who've already said that they have interest in songwriting or in ASCAP, which is a songwriting performance royalty PRO, or in another workshop that I've, I know about. So I just started funneling ads to the pages of people who have those interests. And I would hold these webinars. I didn't know what I was doing. My first webinar, there were 1,100 people there, live songwriters. And I was just talking. I didn't have slides. I wasn't prepared. I was eight months pregnant. Um, <laughs> I, w- I was just kind of like talking. And I was like, okay, can everybody hear me? I think there are a ton of people who would kill to have 1,100 people on a webinar. That's nuts. Yeah. How much did you spend to get those people through the door? Well, here's what's cool is like songwriting and then songwriting for license for TV film. It's, it's, it's niche enough 
and yet broad enough that I feel like it it worked. You know what I'm saying? Like how to license your music is not something you see a webinar for all the time, but you know how to find the people because it's like they'd have to be a songwriter and that's not the weirdest thing in the world. It's not super rare, but yet it's a niche within something that's common. Does that make sense? Right, right. So I wound up converting a little over, about 300 people who were on the webinar became students. And the class did really well because it's $1,000 per person for the year. So you could figure out the math. Wow. So I'm just curious, what was the Facebook spend in terms of advertising to build that webinar audience? Oh, I just did it because I had to do this for my 2016 taxes. I spent about $9,500. Okay. Jeez. So what, over a week, a month, like what gave you the confidence to drop $10,000 on Facebook ads? Yeah, it's crazy. I didn't know what I was doing. Had I known I was about to spend $10,000, <laughs> I don't think I would have. I didn't know how it worked. So I was like, okay, I'm going to run this like three week launch before my first webinar. So I'll run ads for three weeks. And I ran like two different versions of ads. Oh, at the same time, I was building an email list for the first time. So when people would click on this ad that was the in last July, this was the first time I ever was creating an email list or anything. So I was breaking my teeth. Like every time I would open Infusionsoft, I would literally, I'm not joking, my heart would race and I would think I was going to like have like a panic attack because I, I couldn't understand the funnel. It was like very, now I do them like in five minutes. Did you build it yourself or did you, did you hire somebody to build it out for you? No, so in the beginning, I hired a friend of mine Tiana Gustafson, she she was so awesome. She's like an artist who went to Berkeley who also does all this kind of marketing and branding. So she was like, oh my God, I totally get this. So she built my first one. And then after that, I was on my own. I was building them on my, you know, I was like trial and error, trying to hook up lead pages, not knowing what I was doing. I took Amy Porterfield's class on building a course like racing through it. And like simultaneously, while I'm watching the videos, I'm launching the class. Okay. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Like, like, look, I'm doing just-in-time learning and I'm going <laughs> to put this stuff into action right away. Right. And the thing is that I think my greatest gift is this whole, like, I don't need it to be perfect. I'm just going to go. Like, just go. Because... I was the kid growing up, my sister was like in the honors classes and she was the older one. And I was like the C student who slept in late. My parents had no hopes for me. So in a way, nobody was ever putting the pressure on me. So I'm very good at like just trying stuff without needing it to be perfect. And that I think is a huge gift. Like just start, don't wait till you're quote unquote ready. Don't wait till you're perfect because you're gonna learn so much in the first part of it anyway. Yeah, what are you using to host the course? So I use Teachable, it's like 300 bucks a month. And then I have the software, I use Zoom, you know, to do like classes where, you know, we talk. So I probably spend, and then I have, I, I have this awesome girl who works with me in my company, you know, and I give her a salary of a few thousand dollars a month. So I, I do have some overhead, you know, I probably have like six or $7,000 in overhead, but the class does really well. And then I'm still running this agency. The coolest thing that happened, and this is what's awesome about life. You, you don't have to know the next 25 steps, you just have to know the next step because you can never know what's coming around the corner. But when you put your most awesome you forward, amazing things happen. So here I am teaching the class, doing music. It's all sort of feeling like this organic next step, next step. And then somebody in my class, her name is Amy Loftus. She says to me, Kathy, you're so inspiring. You should do a podcast that's not just about songwriters, but it's about any person who wants to figure out how to do their art and make a living at it. So she 
introduces me to my team at Authentic. And on a whim, we just started a podcast last September about if you're a creative person, if you're a baker, a dancer, a sculptor, and you want to figure out how to make a living. So we have all these interesting people on our show. Like we had Bobby Brown, who's a obviously a huge makeup artist. We had Jonathan Adler last week, who's a great designer. He started out as a potter. So we've had all of these amazing people on to tell their story because we want to demystify all of this. We want to try to make it less overwhelming. I feel like a lot of people go off and become doctors or lawyers or accountants because they don't know how to do the other things. So that's what we're now I'm doing this podcast. The Don't Keep Your Day Job podcast. Yeah, it's called Don't Keep Your Day Job. And how do you really figure out what's your passion and how do you do that full time? I love it. How just like this is such a cool story. How you know one thing just leads to the next thing, which leads to the next thing. Such a common theme that we see on the Science Hustle Show. And your point, you don't have to know the next twenty-five steps. Right. Just do the next thing, and you'll come to another fork in the road. You see where that one takes you. It's kind of exciting stuff. Well, look at you. Look at you. I mean, same thing. And look what you're doing totally. now. I and mean, what you're doing with this podcast is bigger than anything you ever did before. And like, and you didn't know this was going to be your, and I, I feel the same thing for me, my podcast. And now I just got a book. I'm doing a book with Macmillan. Awesome. I mean, it's turned out that my podcast and this message is, is actually more my calling than even the songs were like, that's what's this, it all led up to this or who knows? I don't know what's coming next. We're going to catch up with you three babies down the road and see what else is going Exactly, on. right? Anyway. <laughs> awesome. Kathy, thank you so much. Don'tkeepyourdayjob.com and sixfiguresongwriting.com. Kathy, thank you so much for joining me. I love the story. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. I fully believe that every person is like a whole world. Every person comes to the world with a different fingerprint. You're gonna do it differently than someone else. And I feel like if you're being called to do something, it's part of the reason you're here. Like we're here to live up to our potential. And so I really, really want so much for people to to see themselves and to give that some credence and to get busy doing that thing that they that they love that lights them up because it's going to help light up the world and i do feel like even if you would say well how does writing music or opening a bakery help the world isn't it better for me to like go support a cause i think like the best thing we can do is be the happiest versions of ourselves that really is the best way to make a happier more beautiful world we literally we all need that thing that only you have to share get busy living up to your potential. I love it, Kathy. Thank you so much. And we'll catch up with you soon. Awesome. Thanks so much. This edition of the Side Hustle Show is brought to you by FreshBooks.com. And I've got a phone-in testimonial for you this week from Andy McCabe, who runs a consulting business helping people with their insurance claims at ClaimsDelegates.com. FreshBooks really delivered. I've been a paying member since 2012. It's really become an integral part of everything that I do. All my invoices go out via FreshBooks. All my payments come in via FreshBooks. I like the payment options. You can do PayPal. You can do Stripe. You can do a bank check. It makes it really easy to get invoices paid. I like the Zapier and Streak integrations. I've got uh, several integrations set up with Zapier, and this one just makes it so much nicer to start a job in in my streak box and automatically creates a fresh books job that I can start logging time to which is amazing very very happy with fresh books 
keep hustling, y'all. Well, there you have it. Visit freshbooks.com slash side hustle to start your 30-day free trial today. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle to try FreshBooks completely free for 30 days. All right, my top takeaways from this call with Kathy. Number one, give people what they need. Kathy set out to fill a specific need uh, that music directors had. It made her work much less speculative than had she just recorded songs that came into her head without any market research. That kind of reminded me of what uh, Derek Murphy said in episode 224 saying where most authors fail is they write the book they want to write, not necessarily the book that readers want to read. So when you can marry your unique skills with what people need or want, I think that's the sweet spot. Takeaway number two is to be the squeaky wheel. Whether it was staying in constant contact with her agent to see what other opportunities for songs might be out there, her mochas and music marketing hack, or proactively pitching 500 journalists on her story. There, This was a really common theme in uh, this chat with Kathy. She wasn't about to sit around and wait for business to come to her. She was going to go out and get it. And takeaway number three is the path doesn't come with a map. It's going to look different for everyone, and you don't really know what fork you're going to find along the trail until you get there. It's this paradox of wanting to have everything planned out, and that's me, but then never getting started. So I'm reminded again of Ryan Finley's advice from episode 72, where he said the best opportunities aren't visible until you're already in motion. Remember, Kathy's story started with her trying to get a record deal and become a famous rock star, but it was in chasing that dream that opened up the exciting and successful career that she's had. Now, as per the usual, be sure to visit the show notes page for this episode at sidehustlenation.com slash Kathy. It's Kathy with a C. And you can check out all the links and resources mentioned while you're there. You can also download the free PDF highlight reel summary of our conversation. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com.